1: And obviously we know, and I've said it many times, it's not something automatic that just falls on every believer. It doesn't work like that. That's why you hear me many, many times. I'm talking about for the faithful, for the faithful, for the faithful, for the people that are pressing in, that are doing what God's word says, obeying their own personal instruction from the Lord. So obviously we're talking about the faithful, but I want to show you in this broadcast today, and we're going to talk about what it is that truly ensures your violent increase. I want to show you what ensures that you'll see expedited favor and we're setting our faith for the next four months, September, October, November, December, that we will see the hand of God mightily move in our lives, families, businesses, and ministries without question. And, uh, believing for that kind of an increase that blows the minds of even unbelievers that when they look at you, they're like, man, that's not normal. I want people to see like what God's doing for us and for you and be like, man, that is not normal. That is like supernatural. I want sinners to say that because that's really, it's what happened when God brought Israel out of bondage. Psalm 126, when we were brought out, the Bible says "Then our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongue was singing and it was said among the heathen or the nations the Lord has done great things for them. So they even recognized sinners recognized it was the Lord it wasn't from their own work. So I want that to be your story as well. At the end of this year, our story as well at the end of this year. And this, what we're going to show you today is how that happens and how that works. And um, so the, our, where we're going to be today is in uh, the book of first Kings chapter 17, or excuse me, chapter 18. I'll, I'll reference 17 because it starts there, but I really want you to turn to the 18th chapter of first Kings. And I want to show you something that really, it blew my mind to see it. God, God really shown me something that uh, gives us deeper understanding about wh- what was going on in this story. But <clears throat> obviously, you know, the passage, remember the story, this is Elijah up on top of Mount Carmel facing the prophets of Baal in a showdown. Of course, you remember the story. They both are trying to uh, call fire down from heaven. And so that's like the basis of where we're at. But I'm going to break a couple things down for you and show you something. What's up, Chloe? I just saw Chloe on uh, Instagram the other day. And thank you, Chloe. She's just started her internship at the river now
0: Aww. as well. Chloe, man, years have passed fast. Flown by. I remember what when she was called
1: into the ministry. Yeah. I remember when she first up went to UAM, the river. Sure. We love you, Chloe. Chloe. Um, so I want to show you this. First Kings 18. Now to, to set it up, remember this: at the beginning of First Kings 17, Elijah, God tells Elijah to prophesy a drought. So he predicts and prophesies a drought, and I'll uh, I'll I'll show you this. This is like the first verse in uh, First Kings 17. Look at this: as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither rain nor do these years except by my word. So right there, we're, we're going to start in first Kings 18, Caitlin, but let me just reference that he predicted it. He prophesied it. He was the prophet of God. He said for these next years, there will be neither rain nor dew. So complete drought, like nothing. And then literally as they're going through you'll see this at the end of the story. Years have gone by. Now imagine that years with no rain, years with no dew. They're literally now in a place where there's an extreme drought throughout the whole land, extreme drought throughout the whole land. So, um, we're going to pick it up obviously in the story of the prophets of Baal and Elijah top of Mount Carmel. And, um, I'll start with verse 23. Uh, and 24. So listen to this. Elijah's outlining how the contest is going to work. And he said, let's let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. They agreed with his terms. And so that that's how it starts. Two altars, the prophets of Baal, hundreds of them there, hundreds and hundreds of them. And they take their bull and they put it on their altar. He takes his bull, puts it on his altar. And um So right away, there's, there's a contest getting ready to happen, but, uh, they tried all day long. Now, see the reason Elijah did this, and I want you to understand why, and this is the first thing I want you to see today. This is the the first, very first point of this is that Elijah is setting the stage by saying the Lord God talking about Jehovah Yahweh. He is the only living God. He is the only source and he is the only help. And so the first thing I want you to write in the comments today for everybody that's watching is this number one, God is our only help. God is our only help that has to be cemented in your spirit. What's up, Gary. That has to be cemented Cemented. in your spirit. God (laughs) is our only help. No one else can help us. Man can't help us. Government can't help us. Uh, corporations can't help us, not like God can. And remember anything that is human, uh, humanly based is fallible. Anything can fail. People can fail you. The government can fail you and has failed you. Um, I mean all these different things, corporations can fail you. Even family can fail you. God is our only help. He's the only one. And, um, when we talk about this, it's important to understand when you're in faith, it's like, you know, true faith is single-minded, right? A double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. True faith is single-minded. True faith recognizes that God's our only help. True faith recognizes, uh, my help comes from the Lord, right? And so when we're, it doesn't matter what we're looking for. If we're looking for healing, if we're looking for joy and peace, deliverance from depression and anxiety, doesn't matter if we're looking for provision financially, whatever it is we're looking for, it's so very important to recognize I can't look unto people or men or corporations or governments. Right. I have to have my trust completely in the Lord.
0: That's where people get messed up because when they put their trust completely on a man or something and you don't have that. Um, God is my only source, my only help, then you do get let down and then other things can creep in. Depression, uh, the the weight of this world, your peace is stolen from you. And it's something that you, like when you're getting ready to to make a big decision, you have to put what we've been putting in the comments that God is our only help and you have to say it and you have to believe it because this is how people's doctrine gets turned around and messed up it's because they they have their trust in a man yes. and then when a man fails exactly. or then then that that's it they feel like you know this didn't work but the bible thing the whole christian walk didn't work and it's like no it's because you put your trust your faith into the wrong thing into the wrong thing you have to have god as your source and and it's something faith is something that we all work at faith is an action word mm-hmm. it's not just I have faith right. we'll call it a day and skip down the street right faith is an action word when it's uncomfortable you have to move forward and what you've been taught what you've read what you have been deposited into your spirit yeah it's an action word when we say that God is our only help you know when we took off on the road to to be traveling evangelist and do this <laughs> It was God is our only source.
1: Only source. That's right. That
0: was it. There was nothing anyone handed us. There was no large check. There was no anything that was handed us when we took off on the road. Right. It was.
1: Trust in God. Trust
0: in God. And we did that for every Meeting. See, the thing is, you have to make up in your mind, this is my one thing you always will hear me say, following my podcast, being my friend, listening to this broadcast, is that uh, there will be a fork in the road. And that's where you have to make your decision which way you're going to go. Absolutely. There is God's way, the only way, he's your source, or there is a path that's, you know lukewarm we're kind of going to believe but then when I don't I'm going to take this detour and it takes you a lot longer to get where God has you going but when we made up our mind to go on the road and he was our only help that was it and we said to ourselves what we're going to pay our own way well that's a big step of faith right there mm-hmm. to not to be on the road starting off with a kid and not handing in receipts not right. asking people to pay for our hotel. Well, like, our
1: mindset was this. If God called us to do it, if he ordered us to do it. It better work. Then he can also <laughs> pay for us to do it. And what she's referring to is never having to, never asking churches to cover our expenses. And, and well, it's not cover that our churches travel. weren't. They want to. Want to. But I, I wanted that to be our faith.
0: Because it forced us. Right. It forced us, it forced our faith to grow. Yeah. It forced us to believe for big things. Yeah. If I'm always depending on going somewhere and saying, hey, can you take care of this for me? We won't make it there unless this is done or, you know, B and C is put into place. Right. You know, there were a couple times, remember, on the road where I hesitated to do something because I thought, but always it came in right before. And I said, man, I should have went ahead and booked it this way or done it this way. And now it's wearing on us a little bit more. Yeah. But at that very moment, I didn't think we had it. But then before, and it, I told him never again, I would be like that. Yep. Never again, I'm going to do exactly the way and, and the direction that God's called us to do. And I'm never ever doing those mishaps yeah. again. Because you want to believe that God is your only source and it's uncomfortable at first, but it takes you to big places
1: But you know what? Faith, when, when operated in should make your flesh uncomfortable at times because your flesh is at war with your spirit. So things that you do in faith should make that flesh uncomfortable at times because your flesh is not going to understand the things of the spirit and your flesh is warring. Galatians 5, 17, your flesh is warring or at war with your spirit man. So your flesh should be very uncomfortable because when you look in the natural, we dealt with this yesterday, when you look in the natural, you're like, hold on a second. This doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why this would work. I'm not, I shouldn't do this. Faith by the spirit says I can absolutely do it because God is my source. A man is not my help. God is my help. He is my provider. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. And this is one of the areas where people lose their faith Because they put their faith in a minister or a man, and let's say he has a problem, he may fall, you know, and then people say, well, I didn't, I didn't really ever believe this anyway. I mean, there was, you can't do that. You're, uh, hopefully none of you that are watching this broadcast, you know, your faith is in me or in Carolyn or anybody else that we have on this broadcast. It's in the Lord. It's not in us. It's in the Lord. You know, what's crazy is uh, not only, and I wanted you to look at uh, Jeremiah because this is such a huge, huge point for people to get. Listen to how serious God is about trusting in men rather than trusting in him. Listen to the way this is worded. This is uh, chapter 17 of Jeremiah verse five. Listen to this.
0: This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord.
1: You see that it's not just God's disappointed in people who don't trust him and, and rather they trust uh, men or human strength. He said, it brings a curse upon your life. There's a curse on people who trust in men rather than trusting in the Lord. And the Bible says, and when you do that, you're turning your heart away from God. That's huge.
0: The thing I have to, we have to realize is balance because we are so conditioned in mm-hmm. this life, this natural life with Planners and financial this and saving and you know, we never know and what's to come and you know that I don't know older people social security might be taken from them the government talks about that You know just all these different things that make people so uneasy that they feel like they have to know everything now Rather than living by faith and it's a good balance. It's good to save of course. It's good to have a budget Yeah, it's good to have all these things in place because also the Bible talks about leaving an inheritance to your children, yep. your children's children. So all of that's good, but there has to be a balance to the to the point where you still rely on the word of God as your source. Right. But you're using wisdom in other areas. No it's question. not you disregard the the principles and the promises of the word of God and go solely with what the world's telling you to do. But we are conditioned in this world oh, of course. to almost be like nervous To do anything you know outside of what they say we have to have
1: yeah and so you you think about that it actually brings a curse to put your trust in men because men can't help you you'll get to the place in life where a man can't do anything else for you there's no lawyer that can help you there's not a doc i mean what do you do when you get to the place where a doctor can't help you anymore and they just shake their head and say i'm sorry there's nothing more we can do there's no surgery we can uh, do there's no medication we can give you there's no procedure We just want to kind of give you a peaceful, however much time you have with your family, go home, hospice will come by, say your goodbyes to your family, maybe go on a trip with your family and and just spend your final moments with them, give them memories. What do you do then when they say it's over? Is it really over or does Jehovah have the final say? And so there comes a time where men can't help you anymore. And if your trust was in them, you're cursed because they can't do anything to help you. Their arm is too short to reach you. But God is never, never in a place where he cannot help you and will not help you. And I want you to think about this. Not only is it in in men there that God doesn't want you to put your trust in men. You know, I was listening to Bishop David Oyedepo teach one time. He said there was a time when he was praying and the Lord said, uh, David, can you make one of your eyes look up and make the other one look down? And he said, I tried it. He said, I tried. I tried to make one look up and the other one down. He said, I couldn't do it i said, Lord, no, I can't. And he said, then listen, if you can't make one eye look up and the other one look down, he said, never again, tell people that you're looking unto me when you're really looking unto men. It's just a funny picture in my mind. Think about how powerful that is. Don't ever pretend you're looking unto God when you're actually looking unto men for your help. And God was showing him that as a lesson. But notice it's not just men that God doesn't want us to put our trust in also miracle manifestations. I want you to see this because this is important. And I, let me, let me put, say this and I'll give it to you. Listen to this first Corinthians two, four, Paul said this, he said, and my speech, or excuse me, not, in, not in miracle manifestations, but in just wisdom of men. Listen to this, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. Paul was so intelligent. He was one of the most educated men of his day. He said, I didn't come to you giving you plausible words of men's wisdom. But look at this, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, so that verse five, your faith will not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So look at that. Paul said, I could give you tons of stuff from my education and my wisdom. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to come in demonstration and in power so that you would see it's the supernatural that's your help. What did we teach yesterday? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. So Paul's saying, I could have given you all kinds of stuff in the wisdom of men. I'm going to show you the power of God. That's where your faith needs to be.
0: Oh, well, if, if you continue with verse seven, where we were in Jeremiah 17, it says, but blessed. So it said, cursed are those who put their right. their hope in man, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: verse eight, they are like trees planted along a riverbank, with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat, are worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. Look at that. Fruit.
1: Never. Put your trust in the Lord, and when everybody else is in a time of crisis, that's what we're talking about. It's what's happening right now your in America and around the world. go
0: below the surface, yes. really deep <clears throat> to the water, the living water.
1: Your roots are accessing supernatural sustenance instead of natural sustenance. And so what ends up happening bypassing. is this. It's bypassing the world's ability to help you. And it's accessing God's ability to help you. Did you, did you catch that? It said that even in a time of drought, long long drought, their leaves will stay green. They'll keep producing. Why? It's because their trust is not in the natural. It's in the supernatural. Paul told the New Testament church, I don't want you to have faith in men's wisdom. That will fail you. I want your faith to be in the power of God. That's where we gotta be. That's the foundational level. And it's what Elijah understood. That's why he's declaring, God's our only help and I will prove it to you by the God who answers by fire. And so th- that's number one. We've gotta see that today is that not only did he say that, but when they started doing their stuff, when, uh, when they started calling on Baal, when they started cutting themselves and doing all the stuff they were doing, their religious rituals, what did Elijah do? He mocked them. He literally spent time mocking the prophets of Baal. It's not politically correct. It's not what uh, the millennials would do in this generation, but it's what he did and God never rebuked him for it because God, that aligns with God's personality. I will have no other gods before me. Let me ask you, is this politically correct? When the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant from Israel, brought it back to their camp, brought it into their temple and set it next to their God. And in the night when they were partying and doing everything that they were doing in the night, the power of God came and smashed their their statue of their God down to the ground. And it was bowing face down before the Ark. And then they put it back in its place thinking it was a mistake for Samuel five and the next night so that they would know it wasn't a coincidence. God knocked their statue of their false God down again in fr- bowing in front of the ark. But not only that, God came into their temple, cut the hands off of the statue, cut the head off of the statue, as if to say your God is nothing. He is dead. And I am the true and living God. And literally he was, Dagon had no hands, no ability to operate, no head, no authority and bowing in front of the most high God. That may not be politically correct to some people, but God said, I'll have no other gods before me. And so he had no problem with Elijah mocking yeah, he the he prophets of Baal. lately. No, there, there is no, he had no issue with that politically correct or not. Elijah was saying, God, the Lord, God, Jehovah, Yahweh is the only true and living God. And he will answer today by fire. And so that's number one. I want you to catch it. We have to make that distinction. God is our only help. Now, now let's go further. After all the prophets of Baal were done, they did everything they knew to do. And there was no fire that came down and consumed their sacrifice. Nothing they could do. their their bull just sat there on their altar and there was nothing from Baal because he didn't, he didn't exist. He was dead. And so look at this. Verses, uh, let's look at uh, verses 27. Actually, let's look at verse 27. Uh, No, let's go down to verse 30. Look at this. Then Elijah said to all the people, no wait, before that, go to verse 29, listen to this. After their whole day of calling on, on Baal, look at, look at the And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. Hallelujah. No one answered. No one paid attention. That, that right there is so powerful. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Think about that. That's that's bail. No voice. No answer, no one paid attention. That's very powerful. I want to read you something. This is, um, we just read verse 29, 1 Kings 18, 29. Listen to this translator's note on this scripture from, this is so powerful. Uh, The old Greek translation and Syriac Peshitta include the following words here. When it was time to offer the sacrifice, Elijah the Tishbite spoke to the prophets of the abominations. Stand aside for the time being, and I will offer my burn offering. So they stood aside and departed. Listen to this scriptural note here. The words, there was no sound and there was no response that I just read you are used to describe a dead boy. When Elisha goes in to raise the the wealthy woman's dead son, there was no sound and no response. Same words used there are used here about Baal. It says similar words are used here to describe the God Baal as dead and therefore unresponsive. Notice this, the same way that when Elisha went into the wealthy woman's house to raise her dead son, and it said there was no sound, no response, same thing here. Listen, and there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Same verbiage used here that using it to tell us Baal is dead. There is no God, but the Lord God. And look at this. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Now, translators and commentators say that this is a picture of what the spiritual uh, position of God's people were at the time. They were being seduced into worshiping false gods, seduced into worshiping Baal, and the altar of the Lord had actually been thrown down, meaning it had been not, not been upkept, people were not doing what they should have been doing, they were not being diligent to the Lord their God. This is number two, he repaired the altar. And I want you to put it in the comments, I've got to repair my altar. If your altar's thrown down, if your diligence is gone, if your faithfulness is, is failing, it's time to repair your altar. Are you praying like you should? Are you fasting? Are you reading the word like you should? Are you praising God? Are you attending his house? Are you sowing? Are you doing what the word of God says to do? It's time to repair my altar. I've got to repair my altar. It's what Elijah did before anything could happen. Notice, before anything offering could be given, before any sacrifice could be laid out, he repaired the altar. You've got to repair your own personal altar. Am I in a place where I'm worshiping God the way I should be? Am I in a place where I'm honoring God with my lifestyle? If not, I've got to repair my altar. It's so important. Repair the altar. And look how he did it, because this is so very significant. He says... Uh, verse 31, so Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, 12 tribes of Israel, to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. So notice what he did. He took 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the word Israel. Now, here's where we get to look at this. The word Israel is the name God gave Jacob after Jacob wrestled with God through the whole night and the sun began to rise. And he said, what did Jacob say? He, the, the, and the Lord spoke to him and said, release me. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And notice what they're doing here, repairing an altar with the representation of Israel, which means God not only blessed him, but he said, today your name shall be Israel, which means you have wrestled with God and prevailed. Hallelujah. You have wrestled with God and prevailed. What's Elijah doing? Taking those 12 stones as a representation. We have in the past, we are the people who have wrestled with God and prevailed. We have victory. In our past, we have victory in our covenant with God. So I want you to see this.
0: Can I have that black Bible?
1: Yeah. He repaired the altar. And listen, the altar, it represents covenant and past victories. Catch that. The altar represented his covenant and their past victories. Israel, you have wrestled with God and prevailed. And so your altar, you know, you have to hang on. The Bible says to the horns of the altar, you have to actually literally be diligently, faithfully holding on to the altar of your life. The, the dedication, the faithfulness that you have to God and his covenant and the altar represents your covenant, but it also represents your past victories. As we just said, because our help only comes from the Lord, yeah. our help only comes from God. My victories come from my personal altar to the Lord. If I don't have faithfulness to God, if I don't have diligence in the kingdom, then God is not required to manifest his presence in my life. He's not required. And so look what, look what he did. He repaired the altar and then he begins to uh, get ready to lay a sacrifice, but he doesn't lay a sacrifice. Until the altar is fully repaired in representation of Israel, you have wrestled with God and prevailed. It's my covenant and it's also my past victories. This is so important. You've got to build an altar in your life. Build an altar in your house knowing that this is where my help comes from. Not a man. It's my diligent faithfulness to God, his word, and his kingdom. Supernatural. There's something you were looking at. You were, sure nope. you were just looking at in deeper into something. Yeah. I
0: was so looking into the- here's what we're
1: talking about then. That when you have made up your mind, I'm going to see the violent increase. God said his mind. We have always said this from the beginning. It does. It's not automatic. It comes from people who are willing to press in, in their obedience, to press in, in their covenant and to be faithful to the kingdom. It's time to look, take a look literally at your personal altar, your personal life. Where's my faithfulness at? Where's my diligence at? Where's my dedication at? Have I been laying off? Have I been pulling away from the word? Have I been pulling away from my faithfulness and just kind of putting my Christian life on cruise control? Or am I pressing in? Am I pressing into the power of God with what the word tells me to do? See, because when you stop pressing in you cannot put your life on cruise control when you stop pressing in, then what's happening is you're taking yourself away from your altar and the altar is where God imparts to you the help that you need. Our help comes from the Lord.
0: We, we know cause we, re- we read it a lot in James one. It talks about when you ask for something, when you're believing in faith, don't be like the waves up, down, up, yep. down because you're unstable. And you're not gonna get anything that you're believing for. Mm-hmm. And and when he, mean, he he means anything, you won't get anything. It's not just like a suggestion. Right. Like he means what he says in the word of God. The word of God is alive, powerful, and real. And it's it's to be taken when you read it, not a suggestion. It is our life's manual. So when you when you waver back and forth, you're not gonna get. What you're standing for, so you can't say, you know, it's so easy for us to be excited, mm-hmm. to make a decision when things are just going perfectly, you know, around us. Absolutely. Every, everything, got my ducks lined up in a row. It's so easy to move forward. You know, I just, I just got a, a, a powerful message yesterday where someone said, you know, um, my husband and I made this decision and we went ahead and did it and it was the most uncomfortable decision that we've ever made but we know that the lord told us to do it yeah but then 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 they woke up the next morning you know it like it's easy to make the yes and then you know the enemy has a little time to your kind of your mind kicks in can, you know talk to you a little bit well are you sure i don't think <laughs> and that that's where james 1 comes in And then that's where like Elijah here, you know, had to make the decision like I I am a prophet. I do hear from God and that gives me the peace about it. And so they had to make this decision. And she said, you know, then I uh, read something from your devotional and it kicked me back into gear as to, yes, that was the Lord because we'll make this decision and then something won't come to pass and we blame it on the Lord.
1: Yeah, right.
0: But it was, it was really us because we doubted once we took that step of faith, we actually took five steps back mm-hmm. with our doubt Yeah, and not believing it.
1: Absolutely true. When God gives you a word, you stay on it. You don't base it upon the natural, what you see. We walk by faith, but not by sight sight. There are a lot of people walking by sight right now. And so uh, Dave Kratz said, can you give me some examples of pressing in? I want to do it better. You know, Dave, what's interesting is, is that there are a lot of Christians that put their life in cruise control, their spiritual life. And so like the statistics even show it, you know, Barna does research and you see things, Pew Research Group, uh, that the average Christian in America prays less than five minutes a day. Now think about that for a minute, Dave. The average Christian in America prays for less than five minutes a day, which includes, by the way, their mealtime prayers. <laughs> so if you've got, uh, Jesus said, we should, we should always pray and not faint. You look at the example of Christ, the example of the apostles, they would pray for an hour. They'd pray for multiple hours at a time. Um, if, pe- if people are not pressing in, it's proof they don't care. It's proof that they don't consider prayer to be important. So when you look at that, you say, "Well, how could I press into my how can I press into my Christian life the way Jesus and the apostles uh modeled for me, spending time in prayer?" You know, we do all we'll sit down and watch an hour of Netflix. Where's the hour of prayer? You know, you have to take stand, okay? When If you throw your Bible into the back of your car and then the last time you picked it up was Sunday morning when you opened it for a few minutes when the preacher read his text and then you got back in the car after church, threw it in the back seat until the next week, you've put it in cruise control. You should be pulling this word out every day and reading this word every single day. You press in with prayer. You press in getting into the word of God, hiding it into your heart so that you won't sin against God, making this word. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. If this isn't filling your heart, something else is. So it's prayer, it's study, it's faithfulness to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. We're faithful to go to the, go to the assembly as the Bible uh, commands us to do, Hebrews 10.25. It is um Literally, not just those things, but are you giving like the Bible said you should? Not only that, are you sharing your faith with others the way the Bible says you should? Winning souls. You, you're. This is not a hobby. It's our calling. It's our lifestyle. And so when you want to press in, there should even be times of fasting.
0: I like that. When you pray. Real quick, where you said it's our calling and our lifestyle. I think some people who feel like they're not in the fivefold ministry right. don't think well, it's... Well, I'm not
1: I'm not a pastor.
0: But that has nothing to do with it. Like your level of dedication should be just like you're a pastor. Right. Love because, you, Jordan. Because it is our calling and it is our purpose right. to do this. But I think people are like, well, why do I need to study? Why do I need to do this? Right. But it is, it's, it's not just for the five-fold ministry right. to have their dedicated prayer time, to have mm-hmm. their devotion, to seek God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to read the Bible and get wisdom and revelation from yes. it. That is for every believer. As soon as you are saved and grafted into the family of God, that is your purpose. No that question. That is your calling. It is not just for the fivefold ministry. Well,
1: sometimes I use this as an analogy. Imagine, that's how people feed their spirit. Imagine if you fed your physical body that way. And only on Sunday morning did you eat a quick meal. And that was the only time you ate in your life until the next Sunday morning. Your body would be emaciated and weak. It, literally, you'd have nothing. You'd have no sustenance, no strength to push you through life. That's how people's spirits are. They allow themselves to be fed for 30 minutes on one yeah. Sunday morning and they don't do it. And, and they're telling us now that the average Christian attends church once every five weeks. About once every five weeks. And so I want you to think about this. If that's what you're doing, imagine the strength of your spirit man. It's weak, it's not strong. That, and not every Christian's strong in spirit. That's why Paul the Apostle had to command. The the church in Ephesus, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You don't have to command that if it's automatic. You've got to take steps to be strong, and so you've got to repair your altar. Number three. Now this is what I wanted to show you, uh, very very important, and this is something God showed me, blew my mind, and yes, I want to show it to you. So
0: good, pay attention.
1: Look at this. <laughs> Go to the next place. Look what Elijah did after repairing the altar. He didn't just put the bull. On the altar. That was one thing. That was step one. Put the bull on the altar. Then look what he did. Uh, The Bible says, he's verse 32. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar as great as would contain two sias of seed. That's seven liters. Seven liters, a trench that could hold seven liters of seed underneath the altar. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, now listen to this. He said, fill four jars with water and pour it over the burnt offering on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. Look at this in verse 35. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Now this is massive. I want you to see this. This is huge because everybody looks at this passage and say, see his offering to God was this bull. His offering was not the bull. That was his obedience. That was his obedience because I want you to catch something. They were now in a place. Bible tells us we'll get there. Three years had passed with no dew and no rain. Imagine what your nation would be like with three years of no dew and no rain, parched. So what happened? Not only did it affect the water, but now it affects the crops because now you can't grow crops. Now that it went from drought and the Bible tells us now it's a famine, went from drought to famine. And so he puts the bull on the altar and the bull is what God requires. Remember, it's got to be a spotless bull, goat, lamb. It has to be God requires it. So that's his obedience. But look what this was supernatural. I want you to see this wasn't a little bit. He didn't sprinkle. He did not sprinkle his obedience. He said, fill up four jars, fill up four jars. I'm going to show you the the capacity here. Fill up four jars and pour it over my offering. Then what did he say? do it again. What did he say? Do it again. Three times. I'm still going. I want you to see this. We're still going. We're still going. What you're seeing in front of you right now is seven liters of water. That's seven liters, 14 normal size bottles of water. This is 500 milliliters. 14 bottles, that's seven liters of water. Imagine if it hadn't rained for three years and no dew for three years, everything's dried up. It was probably a miracle just for them to find this much water to pour over the sacrifice. Wouldn't you think that in a time of extreme crisis and extreme drought, who in their right mind would take the most precious resource This right here is the most precious resource that there is in the land, water. There's been none. It's run out. This right here is the most precious resource that they could have. They didn't drink it. Notice what they did. They poured it over the sacrifice. Two things happened here. Now I want you to see this. Two very important things. Number one. I read some commentary from Dake's notes on this and they said sometimes pagan priests who wanted to prove that their God was real, what they would really do, they'd set up an altar for sacrifice and secretly they would dig little tunnels under the ground up under the fire that was laid and they would start small fires underground. And then they would open these chambers when it was time for their God to manifest himself. They would open their little chambers and blow air through, which would cause the fire to blow up onto their, onto their wood. And by trickery, they would actually, through those tunnels and the little fires, they would actually make it look like their God answered by fire. Number one, the first thing Elijah is doing is proving to them when my God answers by fire, it won't be by this little pagan trickery that all these other little false prophets and false priests do. I'm going to soak, I'm going to soak my wood. I'm going to soak the stones. I'm going to soak the bull. I'm going to make sure, make sure it is drenched in water so that there is no little fire that could just come and start burning on the wood. Drenched wood doesn't burn. Drenched wood does not burn." He said, I'm going to make sure that there is nothing that could be a fluke. This will not be a coincidence. This will not be trickery when my God answers. So number one, he is removing all doubt and all unbelief that it's not God who answered. I'm going to make it impossible for this stuff to burn. I'll make it impossible for this offering to be taken by God. But number two, and this is huge, catch this revelation. The bull was his obedience, but the water was his faith. His faith was, I'm going to give God the most valuable thing that I have. I'm going to pour out something. Now catch, catch this. This this is, this is so huge. Valuable
0: thing that he has and needs more of.
1: Right. Not only that he has, needs more of. That's exactly right. Something that I should be hoarding to myself yep. because there's no rain. We don't know when there will be rain again. I should be keeping this, storing it back and keeping it yep. for myself. No, their finances. I'm going to pour it out on the altar that I've rebuilt. I'm going to pour out the most precious thing that I have. I got an email today from a lady and she said, uh, I'm going to stop my $5 a month seed into the ministry to call, you know, message the office. I'm going to stop my $5 a month seed into the ministry because I heard brother Ted say on a broadcast, he doesn't want any small offerings. I've never said that in the history of my ministry. What I teach is this, whatever you give to God has to be done in ratio to what you have to produce faith on that seed. For example, Jesus looked at the widow who was giving two mites and looked at the rich men. Casting from their abundance into the offering in the temple, turns to his disciples and says, This woman has given more than all these men. And the disciples said, How is that possible? He said, Because she gave all she had, they gave out of their abundance. It's a ratio. It's, I've taught it this way if a multimillionaire gives $1,000 to the Lord, and someone who has $1,300 in the bank, gives a $1,000 to the Lord, they're not the same offering. It's not the same because God doesn't look at what you give. Jesus proved that. He looks at what's left over after you give. So think about it. If that's the way God looks at your offerings, he knows whether or not it's precious to you. He knows. And this was precious to Elijah and everybody in that land because there was none. So he gave God the most precious thing. This is number three. He poured out the water. What does that mean? It means that I am making sure that when I interact with God, what I give him takes faith. What I give him takes faith. I'm not going to see violent increase if I'm not releasing unto God something that takes faith for me to release unto God want you to see that. I, I mean, I've been in services before where people go, well, I want you, and want you reach in your wallet and pull out a $20 bill. Get ready to turn your destiny around with a $20. You're not going to turn your destiny around with a $20 bill. Unless, I mean, unless you're in a place where that's all you have. But I mean, when you spend more money, you know, at the McDonald's drive through than you put in the, in the, you know, think about this. There's people that get out every morning. If they don't do it at home, on their way to work, what do they do every day? They hit the Starbucks drive through right? They're willing to drop five to $10 every morning for a coffee and a muffin, coffee and a scone, coffee and a breakfast sandwich. You do that every day, five days a week, and you're working working four uh, four weeks a month. Look at that. You're sitting in a place where that's $25, that's $100. If you spend $100 a month on coffee and scones, and most people do more than that, $100 a month. Do you honestly think God's going to think it's a big deal? When you drop a $20 bill in the offering plate, he looks at what you consider to be precious to you. God knows the heart. It's nothing about, has nothing to do with me or her or this broadcast or what we, I'm not the Holy Ghost. God knows what's on your heart. He knows what's in your life. He knows what's precious to you. This was precious to Elijah. See, and that's what he did. Uh, number three is this, give him what's precious. That's huge. It's got to take faith to do that. Yep. Give God what is precious, amen. Give God what is precious, amen. That's got to be my. That's the way we live. It's got to be the way. The way that every person who loves the Lord lives. Because see, they're putting God first, amen. Now to quickly get rid of all these. Missed one. Bowling with Ted. Um. <laughs> you have to give God. What's precious? You understand? And so <laughs> we live that way, Pe- and God knows your heart. That's how God sees whose heart is turned toward Him. Are they doing what I've asked them to do? And when the Lord speaks to you to do something, He asks you to do something that takes faith because He wants to be pleased with you. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 6.
0: And he knows what you need more of. That's right. He knew what these people needed more of. So he spoke to his prophet, the man of God, and he did what they needed more of. He gave water and his harvest was. Exactly. Water.
1: Exactly. Now look at (laughs) this. The drought was over. (laughs) Before we hit that. Look, number four, fire consumed his obedience. But look at this. It consumed his obedience. It consumed his diligence and it consumed his faith. That's powerful. Three things that cause God to answer number one, obedience. Number two, faithfulness or diligence. And number three, faith. I want you to put this in. Number four, God answers your obedience, faithfulness or diligence, and faith. Catch that. This is what provokes God to answer you. Number four, this provokes God to answer you, obedience, diligence, faith. See that the bull was his obedience. God needs that sacrifice. It's what he's called for. The water was his faith. It was the precious thing. And then look at this. uh, The altar itself was his diligence. Bull, altar, water. It is my obedience It's my diligence. It's my faith. That's what provokes God to answer. I will obey him. I will be diligent and faithful in the kingdom. And I will exercise my faith every single day. Provoked it. And the fire came. Catch this. It shows you how much God approved of what he did. Because the fire could have just come down and burnt up the bull on the altar. God didn't do that. Notice, if you study what the scripture says, look at this. Uh, Verse 38, 1838, look at this. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. And look, and licked up the water that was in the trench. Oh, my God. God, God received his obedience. God received his diligence and God received his faith. All three things were burnt up by the fire of God. All of it pulled up by the fire of God. I mean, you think about the kind of fire that will completely consume stones, consume stones. God did it. Number five. Now, this is the powerful thing I want you to catch on the end of this. We're talking about violent increase today. Violent increase. Going over to one cha- uh, to the end of the chapter, verses 41 through 46, after God answered by fire, Then Elijah said to Ahab, verse 41, go up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of the rushing of rain. It's been three years. It's been three years with no rain. And now look what happens. The prophet is now he's provoked by God to say rain is coming back. And I find this very interesting. If you understand the law of seed time and harvest, I find this very interesting that right after Elijah sowed water. Notice what he reaped, rain. He sowed water. He reaped an abundance of rain after three years of drought. I
0: didn't mean to jump the gun. I didn't know you were going
1: there. That's that's it. He (laughs) reaped an abundance of rain. That was the the harvest. If you understand, see, what does Galatians teach? Uh, The book of Galatians. Whatsoever a man soweth that he reapeth, shall he also reap. (laughs) That's, you know why that's important? King King James. There's people that think you can sow money to get a healing or they think you can sow money, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to get your peace or, you know, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, that's not the Bible way. Whatsoever a man sows that, that very thing is what he'll reap. You don't plant apple seeds expecting to get orange trees. You understand? You actually will reap the thing you sow. And so Elijah sowed water, reaped water for the land. He re- he sowed something that was extremely, uh, what we would call precious to him, but notice what came back, not just a little rain an abundance of rain. Yeah. That would stop the king's chariot from traveling. I believe when
0: Elijah looked up and asked the Lord, like, prove today that you are, are, you know, the one and only God, that it was put in his spirit to do the water, because God knew that you have to, he he was showing them seed time and harvest there, like, you have to sow water, and you're going to reap an abundance of rain. Absolutely. And he stepped out by faith and did it, where he could have been like, Lord, like, water, water doesn't get burned up like that, you know?
1: <laughs> right. No, absolutely.
0: Water puts out fires.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly right. Water
0: does not, you know, fire does not consume water. Right. The opposite, that it's completely wrong, God. You know, you could have said, nope, that doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. you also We're probably sitting there thinking that. like,
1: I want this to happen so bad. Like, I know he had faith in God, but it's like, I want, I'm I'm so ready for this. It's like you almost in the flesh want to do everything you can to perfectly set up the miracle to happen. People try to do that in their flesh. It's like, Mm -hmm. make sure you bring me like the absolute driest wood that we have. Make sure it's, you know, if you take a little piece off and it's crackly and make sure it's dry. Make sure you've drained this bowl. (laughs) Make sure it's like, I mean, literally. But look, look at this to make sure that that's not done in the flesh it's not the flesh. And he's proving, as I said before, he's going to prove this is not going to be done by trickery. It's not going to be done by the flesh. When my God answers, I'll make it impossible to happen. We talked about the fact that God likes to do things where he gets all the glory. This just ensured God would get all the glory for what was about to happen. And he did. And notice it brought that harvest of abundance of rain. What we're believing is that in these next four months, September, October, November, and December, we, you and I will experience an abundance of rain from heaven over our lives, our families, our uh, businesses, and our ministries. That's what we're believing for. That's what we're confessing. Over these next four months, an abundance of rain, violent increase on our lives, families, uh, businesses, and ministries that we'll see explosive growth. Yes.
0: That only God did it. That's right. Not where people tag team him with things in the natural. He's not a tag team God. Yes. It's not, I took this and uh, my head, something simple. I just took a bunch of Tylenol, but praise be to God, he healed my head. No, there's no tag team with God. Who gets the glory for that? right Tylenol he doesn't split or God he doesn't split his glory he
1: said I will share my glory with no man
0: so he gets all the glory and we're believing that the last four months will be in all the glory God kind of testimony absolutely that are coming in.
1: that's what I want to see stuff that's so out of the ordinary I love Jeff Jeff uh, Rich has put a, a comment on the yesterday's YouTube that God, God's done so much for him this year. When we were there in, in uh, Roswell in, in January, he signed one contract, tripled his income for the year. I want God to do stuff in such a way that it's like, listen, I no one can explain this one away. Nobody that's looking at what God did can explain this one away. I mean, it's impossible. I want, because see, the more it happens that way, the more God takes all the glory for it. Because people say, you couldn't have done it. The government couldn't have done it. Personal none of that stuff. It's got to be God. I'm talking about that kind of increase. And not
0: only God gets excited because he gets all the glory, it builds your faith. Right. It builds other other people's faith. And that's like the whole point of this. Right. That's the point of testimonies. Yeah. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You help other people overcome Mm -hmm. and it builds your faith and it builds other faith. It's like a domino effect. Right. And that's exactly how God wants us to live, by faith.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's, let me say, that's why we do broadcasts like this, because I, it's, it's frustrated me that people think you can just, uh, and I know God gives us help, but in these areas, it's like, you can pray every problem away. That's a very uh, elementary way of living in the kingdom. That's a infant way of living. Uh, I just need everybody to help me out because I, I can't do anything for myself. That's an infant way of living. When you become strong in the Lord. What the Lord is expecting is it is your faithfulness. Like we've been talking about your diligence, your obedience that sets you on a pace for blessing. So it's like, it's like I was saying the other day, you can't just jump on and be like, I'm going to prophesy right now. Everybody watching me is getting ready to have a double portion hit you. Well, not everybody is. I cannot override people's personal lack of discipline, personal lack of obedience, personal lack of faith, I can't override that with prayers. It doesn't work like that. I can't have somebody watching me that doesn't care anything about the Word of God, obeying it, hearing it, studying it, and saying, now I'm going to pray an increase onto your life. I can't pray an increase onto a life like that. I, I had somebody call the office when I was working at the church with mm-hmm. Pastor Terry, and they said, would you pray for me that God would just financially increase me? And I said, no. And they're like, what? It like threw him off on the phone. You won't pray for me? I said, no. I said, because I can't pray for you. What, what, uh, what scripture would you like me to pray? I said, the, the, the blessing comes as a result of actions of obedience. You tithe, you give, you're obedient to the word. And the Bible says that's how financial increase comes. Do you know, I can pray until I'm blue in the face. But if the obedience isn't in place, my prayers are rendered ineffective. Just hot air. It, it, it's like this. <laughs> I'll give you the, the example with it, with healing, right? This blew my mind. I was watching something last night. 50 P pe- oh, this, this is crazy uh, Hear What I'm saying? Cause this is huge. I was watching something somewhere close to approximately 50% of people who are in hospitals being treated for illnesses are there for metabolic reasons, which means they did it to their own body, like type two diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all all these things. Somewhere approximately 50% of people in hospitals are there for metabolic reasons, meaning they could take actions that would keep them out of hospitals. But the problem in this, this happens in the body of Christ, why, which is why preachers have to actually pray, God continue to give me compassion for the people because we could pray. (laughs) No, it's true. Because when you look at the prayer line and recognize it could be half this size, if people would just live in wisdom. But, but you see this, we realize I've seen this happen. Somebody, because God still helps you. He still loves you. He still helps you. Somebody comes forward, Lord, you know, heal me, touch me if we only could trust God to get us out of problems we didn't get ourselves in, we could almost never trust him. So let's say I have somebody come up and say, pray for me. I'm battling type two diabetes. Am I going to say to them, I'm not praying for you. You ate yourself into this place. No, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to pray. I'm going to take authority over that Uh, sickness, that disease, pray that their pancreas is healed, that their blood cells stop resisting insulin, that their pancreas produces insulin properly. I'm going to pray for them by faith and ask God for a miracle. But that person could get a miracle and then go right back to living outside of wisdom. Guess what? They're right back in the problem they were again, because though they got their miracle, they're not walking it out in wisdom and faith and obedience. And who gets the blame? God. Well, I thought he healed me. Yeah. But you're still pounding, you know, five sweet teas a day and, you know, six loaves of bread. It's like, you know, you're pounding yourself and then saying, God, that's like me saying, God, heal this thumb. And every morning I smash it with a hammer. God, heal this thumb, smash, heal this thumb, smash, heal this thumb, smash. smash." It's foolishness. And then you remember we were in, in Louisiana and, um, yeah, we, we were in Louisiana, and pa- Pastor Mac Hammond was there. Yes, yes, yes. Pastor Mac Hammond uh, preached. I love when people log on to the broadcast at 1151 and put in the comments, what's, this, what's the Bible secret? We started at 1030. <laughs> it's like people that come into church. Church starts at 10. People wander in at 1115. <laughs> we started at 1030, Charlene. So either go back and watch the beginning of the broadcast. It's like, oh, I know you've been teaching for an hour and 20 minutes, but give me real quickly. Unbelievable. So we went to see Pastor Mac Hammond. (laughs) Terry. Yeah. What's the secret? (laughs) Pastor Mac Hammond was teaching and he said he was diagnosed with cancer. And the Lord said this to him. This struck me so hard in my spirit. God said, I'm going to heal you of cancer, Mac. He said, but after I do, I'm going to give you instructions of things you need to change in your life to stay walking in your healing. And he said, the Lord dealt heavily with me to cut sugar out of my diet. Well, the Lord told him to do that. God healed him of cancer, but then said, make some life changes. So this is what we're talking about is that if we're always just looking for, I'm going to keep getting myself into problems and then I'm going to, I'm going to keep expecting miracles. No, it's about the diligence. It's about the faithfulness to the kingdom. It's
0: exhausting just to think about going back and forth and problems and. God healing and getting out again. Yes. I mean. Makes me exhausted thinking about that. That's why
1: we (laughs) preach diligence. It's because it's not going to be about one prayer that somebody prayed over you and your whole life turned around. It takes us being faithful to the mighty word of God, which is the highest force in all of the universe. It's above everything. And so when we pray for you, like today, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. When we pray for you, I'm going to ask God, not, not just that this right here would be drilled into your spirit in such a way that there's a, a a fire, a fire in your belly to obey the mighty word of God, but that God would put, if you're believing for financial increase, here's my prayer. I switched my prayers. Now it's not God give me, send me a blessing. God send me increase. No, now my prayer is God put the largest seeds in my hand that you've ever given me, because the Bible says, he gives seed to the sower. Thank you, Charlene. He gives seed to the sower. So my prayer is backed up with 2 Corinthians 9 scripture. He gives seed to the sower and understand this. My prayer now, Lord, put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever sown into your kingdom. Let us step out and release the largest and most precious things that we ever have into your kingdom in 2020. And as he answers that prayer and we're faithful to do it, it's automatic. The blessing has to come. Yeah. It has to come. Violent increase has no choice but to come. Has no choice but to come. No choice. And so we want to pray for you right now at the end of this broadcast and ask God to do the same thing for you. Because listen, this 2020 is not canceled. We're not leaving this year saying, well, you know, we had a rough year, but 2021 is going to be better. No, it's our year of violent increase and expedited favor. That's great, Dave, go all in. Amen. So get ready, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for every person watching the broadcast or listening on the podcast. I pray right now that you would open up with the key of David, like your word says in the book of Revelation, doors that no man can shut. Give them open doors so that they can step out in obedience in Jesus name. And Lord, I'm praying according to 2 Corinthians 9, for those that you know are your faithful people that will do what you've given them to do, sowers, givers, I pray you put the largest seeds in their hands in this final four months of 2020 than they've ever had come to them. I pray the largest seeds would hit their hands and that as we are faithful to sow these seeds As we're faithful to step out, I declare it in Jesus' name, we will see the largest harvests come back that we have ever seen in Jesus' mighty name. It'll be so abundant that people who don't even serve the Lord will have to point their finger and declare, God did that. God did that. That's not natural. God did that. God did that. And that's going to be our story in Jesus name. We declare it, Lord. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise. Lord, if there are people who are watching today that are not, uh, that are battling sickness and disease in their body right now, we take authority over it right now. We declare healing virtue flow through their body. I curse sickness and disease command it to go. And right now we declare healing to God's people. I curse depression, curse anxiety command it to leave you today. And I lose peace, I lose joy into the people of God today. Lord, we're de- we're declaring household salvation in Jesus' name. Every member, we're putting our faith out. Fathers and mothers, sisters and brothers, husbands and wives, <clears throat> children and grandchildren. Yes. Let us come to this year end and begin to declare, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Give that to us as a gift, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen men. And listen, we're going to even give you an opportunity at the end of this broadcast to sow a seed that means something. Don't just hear it, step out and do what God tells you to do by faith. We've got people that are standing with us on a monthly basis, which I appreciate. And new, new people are standing with us all the time. Let me ask you, what would the Lord speak to you to do by faith? It's like that lady that wrote in today, I have never once condemned a person's offering of what they've that that would be a foolish thing to do because I don't know where people's lives are. Only the Lord knows. See, it's not about me and what I ask you to do or what Carolyn asks you to do. What is the Lord asking you to do? See, he's the one who governs this. I'm not the Holy Spirit. And so this woman who's stepping out of faith, I commend her. If that's a faith move for her, I commend you sowing five dollars a month. We had people that started, I remember Letty, uh, who oh, may still Reddy's be on. Great. She That's jumped on that. and she said, the most I can do right now is $10 a week. Well, that wasn't long before God increased her. She increased her offering. Now she's partnered with us. She's standing with us. God oh, yeah. keeps blessing her. She's
0: a big part of this ministry.
1: You stand where you can stand and you start where you can start.
0: I never stay at the same level. That's Isn't it funny that increase. people,
1: they think, well, I'll, I'll do it when I get more resources available. No, you never do it. No, you don't. You'll never do it. If you're not faithful because over the little. something will always
0: come up then. Something, yeah. something is always going to come and try to steal your seeds. Yep. It, you know, people will say, well, I'm going to do Thanks, this. Jerry. I'm going to do this then. And then something randomly happens right. with your car or something. And then the money has to go. It's like, no, you have to do this now. There's a time for now. There's a season for sowing. There, I mean, it's, there's, it's in, in every season. But when he puts a certain amount on your heart, then that's something you need to do at that time.
1: Absolutely. Someone
0: just wrote in, um, oh yeah, that was a testimony from this morning on, on YouTube from yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I, I had never um, given this amount and the Lord told me. And he said, <laughs> I sat there in church and I gave half of it. And he said, yeah. I was so upset. I just was like, it bothered him so much. like you know, I wasn't obedient. That non-obedient feeling, disobedient feeling. (laughs) And he's like, and so I took out my phone and I gave the other half that it was supposed to be. And he said, a flood of overwhelming joy came over to me. And then they're already seeing the results of that seed.
1: Absolutely. Which
0: wouldn't have if he only did half of what the Lord prompted him to do.
1: Absolutely right. Yeah, Like I
0: said before, Faith, you is not comfortable, but you know what's comfortable? Peace. Yeah. And peace will absolutely. flood you when you live in obedience. Amen. So faith may, may be the uncomfortable part of, the, uh, of our walk with the Lord, but to, to make it comfortable, you operate in faith in the, in the uncomfortable, but the peace is what makes it comfortable.
1: Absolutely right. That's peace absolutely is right. so
0: comfortable.
1: So here's what we want to encourage you to do, not just sow a seed but stand with us on a monthly basis as we're believing to touch the world. As I told you, now that the studio is fully built, everything's paid for cash. We owe nothing on anything, not equipment, not building, not, not anything. But the next step is this. This is the next phase. We're getting ready to touch, uh, three continents of the world, 80 plus million homes. That's not people homes, potential viewership on television around the world and uh, this is coming up very soon the next phase we're going to touch 39 million more people and the next phase which actually may happen faster i just spoke with someone yesterday we're going to be working with a uh lord willing we got to talk to the owner working with a uh station out of pakistan that has the ability to touch over a hundred nations with the gospel of jesus christ doors keep opening up and so uh god's doing we'll give you announcements as these things happen and as they're developing but you're a part of that. You're a massive part of that because you're joining us as we reap this end time harvest of souls. It's going to be insane to see what God does over this next 18 months. Like it's going to be insane. I'm telling you, maybe we'll play the prophecy tomorrow of what God said from Canonsburg of last year, because I'm there. Join the rest of the I bottles. I just
0: wanted to be like Ted.
1: Join the rest of the bottles in Jesus name. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's going to be insane. I'm pumped up for it. Um, what we want to do for those in August that are partnering with us at $85 or more, there's a classic book by Dr. Summerall that we love, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. We want to send this to you as our gift to those partnering at $85 or more. If you'd like to receive it and you're sewing, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Make sure you fill out the form so that we know who to send it to. Also, let me say this, uh, Taya, I saw Taya um, online saying that she changed her phone number and has not been getting the text from me because she's got a new number. If you'll just go, Taya, to MiracleWord.com forward slash text, then you can actually um, put that new number. You can refill out the thing with that new number, and uh, you'll get the text again. So uh, make sure you do that. And it's very interesting that um, I could do it, but it's better if you do it.
0: A middle
1: third. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you more and more. I'm pushing you out of the broadcast tomorrow. We're putting your that's, seat over there. MiracleWord.com forward slash text. We love you. Listen, if you are in, um,
0: we can take it away. Now. Yeah. You
1: can turn it off. If you are in, uh, the U S you can use cash app Venmo. Uh, you can use PayPal. You can, if you're in Twitter, Periscope, Facebook, you can always use hashtag donate as others have been doing. The easiest way to sow wherever you are in the world, MiracleWord.com. That's where you can actually uh, stand with us on a monthly basis. Uh, you can create an account. You can manage your account from the website. Uh, Taya said I did it and didn't get it, but I'll do it again. If not, send us a message with the new number, Taya, and we'll put it in manually uh, to make sure you start getting the text again. But MiracleWord.com, easiest place to do it. And uh, we say a big thank you to everybody that's standing with us. We love our partners. And listen, we pray for you on a weekly basis. We literally do. I was driving to the office today praying for one of uh, our, our friends that, that stand with this ministry. I just popped a text to him and said, listen, I love you, praying for you, and believing in God for the best days. He owns a business in North Carolina as well. Just praying. God will bless you and your family. We love you guys. We love being on here with you every single day. We really do love and appreciate you. We rebuke the devourer, Carolyn shuttles. <laughs> Terry's still looking for the secret, the it's Bible secret. secret. It's a secret, we're not telling. We're not
0: telling you, think you, we're going to tell? We're not secret. telling. It's
1: a total secret. I can keep a secret, Terry. It's
0: a secret. <laughs> Do
1: you know what secret
0: means?
1: Yeah, Terry, come on.
0: Jeez. Oh, here's
1: the Bible they get. Yeah, this is what Carolyn was using today. That's the Life Application Study Bible. She's like a, a more beautiful Vanna White. Because Vanna White's like 70 now. It smells good. It smells great. Leather
0: always smells good. Genuine leather always smells good. Right. Leather has a different smell. But genuine leather <laughs> has a good smell.
1: Everybody that's sewing Signed
0: largely, by Ted, the one and only.
1: We're going to sign a Bible to you and this limited edition, further, faster, hardcover. So there's a few of these left. It's for people that are sewing $1,000 or more on top of uh, the Lester Summerall book on the gifts of the spirit. We're going to send you those to say thank you and the fact that we love and appreciate you. Love you too, Jerry, and thanks for sowing a seed. Uh, you can get this on eBook, by the way, or paperback. Amazon, you can get it. Uh, Kindle, Apple Books, you can get it anywhere. Um, it's Available in, I think, most territories uh, in the world. I looked at it, it was like 90-some territories, so you can grab that. And Carolyn's got a new one as well that is people are loving. We're getting a lot of feedback from lines. Uh, it's available on nice. eBook, also paperback, so you can get both of them. Yeah. And it's pretty much available anywhere. You can go to Walmart; it won't be there unless you put it in there. But you can go there, and uh, but it's available online. You should
0: stock the shelves.
1: <laughs> I've done that before. And he, what? I went into a Barnes and Noble when my first book came out. Praise, laugh, repeat.
0: So someone got it for free. And I put. Because they it, try to ring it up. And no, they like, can we ring we can't. it up.
1: They can ring it up. That's why the barcode's on the back.
0: But it would be in their system.
1: Well, because oh, of, because it, I set it up to go. They can even. You can go to any bookstore. And ask for any of our books, and they'll have them ordered into the bookstore and pay through through Barnes & Noble, Borders, any of those. That's why we have it set up that way. But yeah, I don't know if I got paid, but somebody definitely got it. <laughs> it was awesome. I'm, I'm my own PR guy. Anyway. <laughs>
0: you're a nut.
1: A little bit. A little bit.
0: <laughs> While you're on that, how do I change my address?
1: Contact Jenna. Yeah, you can send an email or to info, Jenna,
0: whichever
1: one. Yeah, Jenna at miracleword uh, dot com. Um, it's the same camera system, Jerry. It's just that we have the lighting's different, the background's different, so it makes it even look better. And we've got more cameras now. So starting, I think tomorrow, or the next day, we'll have multiple cameras running, which I love. Our goal is to get to twenty-seven cameras. Twenty-seven camera shoot. People are passing out all over the office. 27 camera shoots. It's gonna be be like the matrix where there were cameras all around them and I'll be just able to jump in the air and the cameras will just sweep around the studio. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, God's blessed us, man. I wanna thank God again because- God
0: likes a lot of
1: stuff. Isn't it, I mean, this is like a (laughs) massive blessing. I'm so (laughs) extremely thankful to God for this office, for the studio, for all the equipment. God did it, we give him all the praise. Give him all the glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for blessing us. We love it.
0: Cameras, <laughs> Cameras on the, on
1: the bottles. bottles, please. It's just the the floor is strewn with bottles. We
0: actually just made our own trench. <laughs> it looks like a trench of water <laughs> bottles on the floor right now.
1: I love it. Um, thanks, Frank. But can I say one thing? I don't think we have a slide for it, but I do want to remind you because I'm going to start shooting again very soon for this. Um, but Miracle Word University <laughs> is available We've got more courses that are going to be coming up, and uh, if you've not gotten a chance to check out Miracle Word University, go to MiracleWordU.com, the letter U, and check out the courses we have. One of the cool things is this, uh, up to this point, we have combined all the courses that we've released into one bundled course, over 20 hours of teaching, and we're giving you 28% off, so I think it's only 199 Uh, And you get 20 hours of teaching. It's yours forever. You can watch it on phone, tablet, laptop at your own pace. But uh, we're giving it to you like getting a course for free. And uh, it's the best thing we've ever released. So let me encourage you to go check it out if you have not done so yet. Our newest course is on Mountain Moving Faith. We've got other courses that will be coming out soon. Uh, God spoke to us to do this, and it's been a massive blessing. Hundreds of people that are uh, signed into the school and we're selling and people are literally it's it's amazing to me i mean like when god said it, i was like who's going to do this who's going to jump on board with us i was asking god to, to give us more holy ghost bible schools in prayer and he's the one that said why don't you do uh something about it and so uh exciting go to miraclewordu.com check it out ty said do we get a degree or a diploma if we do miracle word you you get you're learning from the school of hard knocks no you get a high five no but what we do have like a uh, um it's kind of—it's almost like a certificate, certificate, but it's not like an accredited you can't, school. Yeah,
0: you can only get a diploma you can't if it's transfer an accredited your, school. You can't
1: transfer your credits to like another another school. You can try. Maybe they'll take it. I don't know. Just t- just show you them a picture. The Barnes of, and Noble. Just show them a picture of Carolyn. Um, <laughs> you might be I'm able not to. not sure. What do you
0: Do with it. You can tell. That's how she gets out of tickets. Out and Ted needs to say
1: goodbye. That's how she gets out of speeding tickets. There's um. a picture of myself. <laughs> the cop takes it and just leaves. We love you guys. You're a weirdo. <laughs> Thanks for hanging with us today. Thanks for being on, as always. We'll be back again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. We appreciate you hanging out. God bless you. We love you. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.